That, that's because now people will understand that you were dancing while that thing was on. Yeah. Excellent. Because we're a visual medium. That's <laughs> right. He was dancing very well. Change my picture. Smack my picture. So here we are. Welcome episode back. episode twenty six. It has been a, lo- a long time. It has indeed. Um, we've both been on various missions, assignments. Assignments is probably the better word. Assignment, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Contracts. And like a couple of women that have started living together, our cycles have finally synced. <laughs> and here we are, back in the Nakatomi ballroom, where we belong. Back in black. Where our or grey navy. Where our public demands us because mm-hmm. the outpouring oh, it's the been outpouring. a bit internationally um, you know what I had heard I heard if you played episode 25 backwards mm. it says Matt is dead Matt is dead Matt is dead yep. and then there's that whole the cover of the podcast where we're walking across barefoot and, yeah and it was yep. Yeah, I can absolutely. I can only imagine where people pull this stuff I from. Don't know. I don't understand so. any of it. But fortunately, uh, we're here. Yes, um, we're not on LSD. Well, wow. you're not, <laughs> and, and neither yeah, so, is my pink elephant. <laughs> we should talk about the pink elephant in the room. We should. We should. <laughs> well, are we talking about Batfleck? Oh, okay. Or, or the actual pink elephant? <laughs> the, the actual pink elephant. <laughs> but look, yeah, Batfleck. Well, as my my feelings on Batfleck are well known. I think it's an inspired choice. Mm. I think it's great. I think it's going to be. I champion the same arguments that everybody had when they heard that Christian Bale. Uh, Bale thank you. It was going to be Batman. Mm. Michael Keaton was going to be Batman. Holy Adam fuck. West was going to be Batman. Batman. Oh, the holy fuck, George Clooney was going to be. Yeah. Oh, they might have been right about that one. But same well, with Heath, Heath Ledger as the Joker. Yeah. the list goes on and yeah. on and on. He, I mean, and that's that's the thing that I keep coming back to is mm. the Heath Ledger outcry. Yeah, was, was phenomenal. Yeah, gay a gay a Joker and oh, it was just yeah. awful. So, fuck you guys. Mm. How's that Academy Award? Oh, except he's dead. So yeah, yeah balanced. So <laughs> <laughs> too, nah, too, too, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. Possibly too soon. So, Two thousand and eight people. So Come let's. Let's uh, let's just see how yeah, Affleck look, does. If he's around in 2016, we'll all say, you know what? You were right. Yeah. Is it 2016? 2015. 2015, 2016. Yeah, okay. I think that, yeah, all right. Because I know he's in the middle of directing something at the moment, mm. which is some... Um, some Gone project. Girl? No, I think, he's, isn't he starring in that? He, oh, he was. He's some, some... Something in Boston. <laughs> Actually, I think this is in Africa. I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. I think it's in Africa. Okay. I think it's like it's going to be like another Argo-style film, but something mm-hmm. happened in Africa. But anyway, okay. It's something about rain, rain in Africa. I think Toto's involved. Okay. I hope so. I really hope so. Dragon the Obscure <laughs> reference. <laughs> Should we kick? Is Rosanna Arquette going to be in it? Well, you know, who knows? She denies that. It's look, it's an urban myth. People look it up. You know. Anyway, should we jump straight into it? Hells yes.
Would you like to kick us off? I would love to. All right. I would love to. Michael Arndt, yes. who had previously been announced as the screenwriter of Star Wars 7, mm-hmm. is no longer involved in the project. Writing will now be completed by director J.J. Abrams and legendary screenwriter Lawrence Kasdan, whose credits include The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, The Big Chill, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. A statement by Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy states, I am very excited about the story we have in place and are thrilled to have Larry and J.J. working on the script. There are very few people who fundamentally understand the way a Star Wars story works like Larry, and it is nothing short of incredible to have him even more deeply involved in its return to the big screen. J.J., of course, is an incredible storyteller in his own right. Michael Arndt has done a terrific job of bringing us up to this point, and we have an amazing filmmaking and design team in place already prepping for production. Hmm. So Let's read between those lines. Yeah. He was absolute fucking gash. And he was fired. Yeah. So See you later. He'll still get a credit. Yeah. Now, what does this do for his career, if anything? Because this, but this is, stuff happens all the time, though. Yeah, but this is tent poles. This is, a, I mean, how often do we hear this? this I mean, I know it does happen. You're hundred percent mm-hmm. right. We occasionally hear about it. But a screenwriter being fired from a movie, especially yeah. a JJ Abrams movie, I mean, <laughs> fuck, it has to be pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the one consolation in this is that Lawrence Kasdan oh, that's, that's, is now in it. So this this movie is now golden. Yeah. If because <laughs> when I, when I had first heard the story because mm. uh, I actually heard orally rather than reading it was in, was yeah he's off the movie it's going to be written by J.J. Abrams and mm. and you know what I was dreading George no God oh Damon Lindelhoff yeah yeah I was yeah. I was I think oh don't no 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 yeah no, no. not Damon Lindelhoff please yeah who I my my problems with Damon Lindelhoff apart from him being in everything and, and not that great a writer he's not the worst but the fact that he, as soon as as soon as he got a, gets a little bit of criticism, he flip flops, he backflips, mm. he goes, "Oh yeah, should oh yeah, I shouldn't that, have done that." Yeah, fuck off, man. Stand by yeah. your work. And then what was his, his last, after Breaking Bad finished? Now I haven't seen the end of Breaking Bad yeah. yet, so I don't and know. Inadvertently, I have. Uh, as soon as that happened, he said, "Oh yeah," reminds me of the ending of Lost, <laughs> which I never watched Lost either. But everyone says the ending was just absolute that's fucking. Garbage. Well, a lot of the Twitter noise was, "Hey, Lindelhoff, that's how you end the series." Not, you know, yeah. And so it was all a dream. <sighs> yeah, Scooby Doo ending. I was watching the Soup, which I kind of like every now. And then. I mm-hmm. download a few. That's uh, John McHale. Yeah, and the day of broadcast, the, some news reporter showed the final scene or the final ending, and then did this sort of voiceover somber sort of voiceover and explained the whole elements of the the tv show whilst it's showing so it's ruining it for everybody and unfortunately by third party proxy it's ruined it for me because i was watching the soup and was not paying attention exactly to what was going on had i would otherwise i would have fast forwarded through it but what a douche and then Mm. you know anyway moving on from there so from one some writing news to another writing news christopher mcquarrie academy award-winning christopher mcquarrie has apparently got Tom Cruise fever and is signing on for yet another project that is tipped to star the, um, well, the star. Deadline reports Macquarie is attached to Star Blazers. Oh, yeah. Get the fuck out. Shut the front door. This is happening. <laughs> An adaption of the 70s space anime known in Japan and other region, regions as Space Battleship Yamato. Now, this was This huge. was our childhood, man. This, this was... was awesome. This is... And I've got to be honest, whereas some of the childhood animes don't hold up, Astro Boy, I'm looking at you, I still love 
Star Blazers. Oh. It's such a great little show. Apparently he was all set to write it a couple of years ago, but now he's been attached to direct it as well, which pretty much... Uh, after MI5? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a pretty much foregone conclusion that his Cruiseness will star, which would mark his fifth collaboration with Cruise. I'm I'm nothing but excited about this. It's Tom Well, it's Cruise. like your it's... two favourite things. <laughs> it's old school Japanese anime. And Tom Cruise. And Tom, Tom Cruise. So this, it's interesting. That's that's going to be... They've worked together on Jack Reacher, obviously, MI5, which you just mentioned, Valkyrie, and Edge of Tomorrow. So this will be the... Didn't the Macquarie fifth. do MI4? No, he, he did ghost... He did uh, screen doctoring. Okay. Uh, script doctoring, but uncredited as well. Okay. As I'm aware. So actually, correct. You are right. He did do MI4. So I'm excited by that. I really am. I think that'd be good. I've got a bunch of unnecessary remake and reboot news, Fantastic. as I always do. Yeah. Sadly, <laughs> sadly, none of them are Michael Bay, but still, fuck you, Michael Bay. Brock Hamishu, Michael Bay. In unnecessary sequel news, we'll, mm-hmm. start, we'll start on the big screen. Tim Burton and Michael Keaton are in talks to return for a Beetlejuice sequel. The last movie in 1988 is a, a minor cult classic. Mm. Yeah. If this had been done within five years of Beetlejuice, back when Burton was a... Back when Burton had something to say. Well, back when he had some juice. Yeah. Pardon the pun. Yeah. I would have been all for it. Mm-hmm. Kevin Smith tells a story of, you know, he'd gone to the studio and mm. they'd given him a couple of projects that say, hey, we want you to... Would you be interested in directing or rewriting some of this? Yeah. And yeah, one yeah. of them was, you know, Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or something. <laughs> but... Yeah, it, it doesn't need to happen. Nope. And I've got no issue with Michael Keaton. He's got to make a living. He's, he's got to work, but it's I have no respect for Tim Burton as a, as a modern filmmaker. He yes. just rehashes the same stuff over and over with again. With the same people. Yeah, and who's Johnny Depp going to be? And who's <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter going to be? Yeah. I mean, I love Helena Bonham Carter. I Who think does? she's fantastic. Well, I mean, she but hasn't been fucked like that since grade in, school. If she's in things that Tim Burton doesn't make. So I'm hoping this never gets off the ground. I've got horrible fears that it will. Yeah. Fuck that guy. He's yeah. He's he's irrelevant. He's just irrelevant. I mean, he's, he's a one-trick pony. And he, if he if he sticks with animation, like doing things like Frankenweenie, Nightmare Before Christmas, knock yourself out. That's valid for you. But you can't bring that into a live-action. Well, what's what's he done? Like so, Sleepy Hollow. Dark Shadows was the Dark most, Shadows. The most um, recent thing. What was the one before that? Barbara of Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Barbara of Sweeney Todd. Barbara of Sweeney Todd. <laughs> Apparently I know my shit. <laughs> Film in um, Seville. Willy Wonka. Well, Charlie and the Charlie Chocolate Factory. Tra- yeah, so nothing so, nothing yeah. worthwhile. No. Nothing worthwhile at all. So the next Star Trek film looks like being helmed by Joe Cornish of Attack of the Block Flame. Have you seen this Attack of the Block? I have not. People, I mean, in a, a slight review here everyone has lost their fucking minds about how awesome attack of the block is i thought it was a fairly ordinary made for tv movie to be perfectly honest but anyway guy's got some vision but what the reason i'm really mentioning this one is because i'm excited because i didn't realize this was happening but an adaption of snow crash the post cyberpunk novel by neil stevenson as it's it should probably be on someone's top 100 books to read before they die I've only, I've, to my shame, I've only gotten about a quarter of the way through it, and then I picked, put it down to pick something else up. Yeah, never got back to it. Yeah, Who magazine or something. Um, but the premise of the third Star Trek movie isn't known, though it is unknown what influence, if any, he'll have on the story. I think JJ needs to step away from the Star Trek. He, he needs to do one or the other. He can't do both. Exactly, and I mean, 
I think it, it what it well, what it does is it also opens up the idea that other people can come in and fuck with the characters a bit and play with them. And yeah, he, a he's established the universe. Let yeah. other people play in that sandpit. Just thinking, just popped in my head then. Lawrence Kasdan, I think he and Harrison Ford were the two main proponents for Han Solo dying in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and may and possibly may not making it out of the carbonite. Yeah, like so that was as back then. I wonder if now Georgie Porgy hasn't got that much. Hasn't allegedly. got the, allegedly hasn't got the sway. I wonder if we'll they, see they can Han take Solo. it. Yeah. Oh. Just popped into my head. You heard it first here. Because what was that god awful? I want to say executive decision to make Kurt him. Russell and Steven Seagal. Oh, Steven yeah, yeah, Seagal yeah, yeah. dies in the first five minutes. Which was because like, he was he was he was top. He was he, he had fairly billing. high billing, and then boom, no, he's he was gone. top billing. Absolutely top billing. And then and gone cool. in the first five it minutes. It was spectacular. Seagal's best role to date. <laughs> I'd like Han Solo to die in the credits crawl. What about just informing us that he died in that the, the, the thing? So that's it. Han Solo is dead. Moving on. <laughs> the Death Star blew up. <laughs> Carrie Fisher put on weight. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Or just just rolls down as as the screen rolls, and then you know how it always pans down. Yeah, it'll pan down to, to a fun, hand, to a funeral scene. Oh, but it's got it's got to pan down to a ship or a planet. The Millennium Falcon being blown to shit. <laughs> Han's body floating through space. Pan, pans down to the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, we go inside. They shoot him out like they shoot out Spock. In yeah. at the end of two, Chewie hits with a, a, a mournful roar. Everyone's crying, and then. We don't know why what's happening, and then we move on. Yeah, and then never mention it again. Yeah. <laughs> Even better, fuck Star Wars fans up for the rest of their lives. <laughs> or and, and then just have Leia standing there crying. <laughs> he should have shot first. <laughs> I, I can go one better. I can go one better. <laughs> they cut back to the end of the celebration scene at Endor, and Darth Vader's body's burning on the pyre. Helmet falls off. Han Solo. Yeah, now fix that story. <laughs> Writers, off you go. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> Not going to happen. No. Unnecessary reboot news now. Yay. Octa winner? Oscar winner Octavia Spencer. I thought you were talking about or something. I thought, really? She's, she's having another eight kids? Oscar winner Octavia Spencer mm. is set to star as Jessica Fletcher. In no. a new incarnation of Murder She Wrote. No, my so belief basically Castle. Yeah, my belief is they've already done a remake mm. of Murder She Wrote. It's called Castle. Mm. It's awesome. It's got Nathan Fillion. What more do you need to say? Or is the network going for the old black woman vote? Because that's that a key demo. Is it a substantial vote? <laughs> oh, Tyler Perry seems to think so. Obama got elected again. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's just completely unnecessary. Well, the problem with that is, is, as we all know, according to Chris Rock, black people don't read, so... <laughs> Murder, she rapped. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright. Colour Pricks, 2013. <laughs> 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 Prometheus 2 uh. is written, announces Ridley Scott, but no indications on when shooting will begin, as he's got another two films, one for 2014, one for 2015, ready to go. So, 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 what franchises is he ruining now, Woody? Uh, well, possibly the biggest franchise of all, the greatest story ever told. He's having a go at the Bible with Exodus 
He's got Christian Bale playing Moses, John Turturro, Sigourney Weaver, of course, of course, and Joel Legerton. But apparently, there's this other science fiction movie that he's he's jumping back to. He's, he's working on another fiction apart from the Bible, <laughs> the <laughs> the Forever War by Joe Haldeman. Haldeman, sorry if you're listening, fucked your name up. Uh, Ridley Scott says, I thought I'd left science fiction for too long that I'd better climb back in. Prometheus was a great experience for me. Chasing number two, we can start evolving the grand idea. Wasn't he... Wasn't his, wasn't he going to jump back and do Blade Runner again? Well, oh. funny you should mention that. According to Harrison Ford, Blade Runner 2, they're working on it right now. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently they're working on that right now. Okay. So, that'll so, so that'll be after Prometheus Two. Nah, who knows? Who knows? I could give a shit about Prometheus Two. Oh, it couldn't be any worse than Prometheus. I've, I would have to go down as I think I've said on this podcast the all-time greatest disappointment of my life. So, anyway, Juan Carlos Fresnadillo. Oh, we like him. Good friend of the show. Yeah, Highlander. Yeah. Yep. Who we had once talked about in relation to Highlander remake and the Crow remake mm-hmm. is now being mentioned as the director of yet another remake. Mm. Highlander and the Crow, he's now not attached to. I don't know if either of those films are still going ahead. With any luck, they won't. But he is now being talked about as the director of Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. Really? Mm. Really? Yeah. Now, Pet Cemetery, like a lot of early Stephen King movies, Weren't really done all that well. Yeah. But the story's good. Most Stephen King books could be done well if someone took care and did them did them well. I'm glad it's not Frank Darabond doing another fucking Stephen King yeah, 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 yeah. thing. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I'm a King fan, and Pet Cemetery is one of my favourite Stephen King books. Okay. I'd like to see it done well. Mm. I don't know. The, I've, I've read many Stephen King books simply because people tell me that I should read them. Mm-hmm. Um, Misery, for me, is pretty much the only book. Oh. Misery and another one called Desperation, yeah. the only two that I really enjoyed. I, I see, I don't think Stephen King translates well to the screen because mm. I think his characters are so well-written, they're so in-depth. In fact, it's my major criticism of his is that I think he spends so much time character development and puts them in these awful situations and... And whatnot, and then sort of hurries the third yeah. act, and so it's a demon so, or it's yeah. something from another world. So, could, so his characters, there's too much internalization that you could is, never, you exactly. could never express on the screen, unless you wanted to do some sort of poncy voiceover, which we know mm. voiceovers. What is it? Voiceovers are the bane of yeah, oh, two of the lazy. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, fuck it, mm. fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. September seventeenth, twenty thirteen. Saw the world was a little less bright. As Joyce Jacobs, who played town gossip Esme Watson, yes, in the long-running country family drama Country Practice, died at age ninety-one. Big bucket of win. That if we that was a phrase. That was a sad one. I mean, it was. We, we've we've actually been remarkably lucky in the in the however long we've been off the air. Mm. We've had no no really major ones, but just a couple of ones that really sort of hit. Joyce was one of them, and Marsha Wallace recently, Edna Krabappel. You wouldn't have thought Lou Reed was pretty major. But he's not really a movie. Oh, okay. No, well, then that case yeah, is you're right. Sorry. Yes, Lou Reed is, is a tragedy. Yeah, yeah. But in the sphere of what we, we talk about, I understand not that saying. much. I understand what you're saying. From a soundtrack point of view, absolutely. I mean, I put on the website the thing from uh, Trainspotting. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I kind of took him out of the yeah, yeah, yeah. sphere. No, you're of... right. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're 100% right. I, but, yeah, it was, I don't know. It was a bit tragic. I mean, 
We all hate, love to hate Esme, mm. but it's 91. What a good innings, yeah. as we say in Australia. Good, good innings. Good innings. So uh, I just thought it, that's a vignette, if you will. Yes. And then I have, I have a final piece. You have a final piece? All right. Nancy Tellum is a name that you probably don't know. Correct. She was previously president of CBS Television and is now president of entertainment and new media at Microsoft. She is launching Microsoft's own production studio. They have Microsoft have announced a Steven Spielberg produced Halo TV series to be wow. shown and launched on the Xbox One. Wow. She has stated her ambition to bring in her words, Game of Thrones-like excellence to the Xbox and that she has the funds at her disposal to do it. Her quote is, I have the ambition to make a show as dynamic as Game of Thrones. That, to me, was the greatest testament to how wonderful television can be and how engrossed people are and committed, and it was a social experience. Because Game of Thrones has changed the way we deal with oh, TV. fuck yes. And if she's... she's Microsoft have obviously got the money... Yeah, They're yeah. tapping the talent. Something I'm a big fan of and I've talked about probably too often on the show is new new media, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yahoo, Netflix, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Microsoft is a player in this game. And bring, so exclusively to Xbox users or something I, like that? Or? I believe that's the intent. That's or, awesome. or at least like a timed exclusive, like they'll get it before anyone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank, oh, well, isn't it wonderful that the NBN will be in before? Oh. <clears throat> well, okay. One more death to add to the list. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's really exciting. That's really really exciting because I mean, I'm loving Netflix. I'm, I'm thinking Netflix is the way is is really showing the way of the future. Mm -hmm. um, I think this concept of these independent step away from the networks, step away from the cable television shows, and producing something mm -hmm. pretty extraordinary. And Game of Thrones, absolutely. Game of Thrones is is this is our generation's Sopranos. Yeah, really. For as a game changing television, yeah. it's just I mean, you, done something. You talk, yeah, phenomenal. generationally, Game of Thrones, mm. Sopranos, Dallas. Did, well, I yeah, mean, are we? Yeah, yeah okay. In, in terms of a zeitgeist. Yeah, people. I tell you what to talk about something. Yeah, for people talking about something all the time, Dallas mm. was definitely up there. Yeah, uh, I yeah. mean Seinfeld on the comedy side, obviously. Yeah, yeah. everyone's talking about mm. Seinfeld. Frasier even sort of it should never have been successful yet somehow it was mm. one of the most successful television shows of all yeah. yeah this is exciting I would like to finish, finish as I began with Tom Cruise news <laughs> Cruise news Cruise news do we, do we need to get our own theme for Cruise news could we <laughs> can we speak to our people so Tom Cruise and director Joseph Kaczynski who teamed up on Oblivion mm -hmm. have their next project which is Go Like Hell this is the battle between Ford and Ferrari for dominance in the sports car marketplace. Cruise will play Carol Shelby, and apparently it's based on a book called Go Like Hell, Ford, Ferrari, and Their Battle for Speed and Glory at Le Mans by A.J. Bain. And it tells the story of Henry Ford basically stepping up to Ferrari and saying, we're going to take you. Yeah. We're going to get you, sucker. As far as I'm concerned, Tom Cruise, Days of Thunder, Part 2, I'm all yeah. in. I'm all in. <laughs> as long as we don't get Nicole Kidman in it, I am all in. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy about that. Yeah. A little bit. Did you see... I mean, because a, a couple of movies came out while we were while we were off the air. Mm -hmm. Rush. Mm, I didn't see it. No, I'm, I'm not a car racing fan at all. <clears throat> I think it's one of the most boring yep. sports in the world. In fact, I don't even think it should be called a sport. No, neither should golf. Yeah. Uh, 
It, it's to me, racing's too machine dependent. If you have the better machine, you yep. can win. While there is an amount of per, you, know, you have to be good at what you do, yeah. it's partially out of the sphere of your control. Okay, so, all right. I think I think people who support motor racing and listen to us, we've just lost that that one person. Yeah, sorry. Bye, Simon. Yeah, <laughs> see ya. But Rush, yeah. fantastic movie, really engrossing. Mm -hmm. Chris Hemsworth, he'd do really well if he was. You know, not so fucking ugly. Yeah, it's a shame it's holding him back. Yeah, it's really holding him back. Yeah. Well, Ron Howard. I mean, it's an uh, apparently a welcome return to the screen mm. for Ron Howard. What was his last? Don't tell me it was the one of the Da Vinci Angels and Demons. Don't I? I hope not. But anyway, but it's what. Yeah, I've I've, I've wanted De to de see de it. definitely worth a, a DVD or, or a Blu-ray. Yeah. A rental. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sad that I'm pretty much going to have to see Gravity that way now, which is yeah. a bit of a shame. Gravity's still. Has it finished now? I, I thought it had. I have a fr I had a friend that saw it today. You it work is. tomorrow? I well, I had today off. You work tomorrow? <laughs> slip out and see gravity. If I was going to work, I would slip. If I'd have known yesterday I was sick, I would have, was going to fall sick around lunchtime. I would have bloody yeah. gone on to something else at the ten a.m. showing that I couldn't get into. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yes. But anyway, so be it. And we will just. Remove this as evidence yeah. in case he is actually sick tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no one at work listens. No, my boss doesn't listen. So it's oh, sweet. Yeah, that's right. And anyone who knocks, who listens to this and knocks on me at work, I fucking know who you are. So, yeah. you know, fuck you. Yeah. Anyway. Reviews. Reviews. Take it away. What are we reviewing today, Maestro? Thor. Oh. The Dark World. Yes. Starring the unfortunately ugly Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. The charmless Tom Hiddleston. And Christopher Eggleston, who I can't think of anything to say about. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the totally, char <laughs> the totally overrated Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Yeah, overrated. Not not something I generally go with with uh, with Sir Tony. The movie opens with a history lesson, telling us about the time before times, the dark times, five thousand years ago, when the dark elves roamed the nine realms, wanting to shape them in their own dark image, using the power of the ether, a magical substance of unimaginable evil. Unimaginable. Unimaginable evil. Please leave that in. Unimaginable. <laughs> I believe in God. <laughs> the Dark Elves, led by Malekith, Christopher Eggleston, are defeated and banished by Bor, Thor's grandfather, and the ether is buried and hidden, never to be used again. Until, of course, now. <laughs> it's about two years since the events of Thor, and around a year or so after the Avengers. Thor and his merry crew of heroes... The Lady Sif and the Warriors Three, Fandral, Volstaff and Hogan, are bringing peace to the realms by apparently beating the crap out of everyone until they surrender. Loki languishes in an Asgardian jail cell. But it is the time of the Convergence, when all nine realms align, which happens every 5,000 years, funnily enough, when the barriers between worlds weaken. We get evidence of this weakening when Jane Foster, Natalie Portman, discovers a rift in reality in an abandoned London building and finds herself face-to-face -face with the ether that attaches itself to her. 
This stirring of the ether wakes up Malekith, who tracks her down in an effort to reclaim the ether and make the realms, the Nine Realms, dark once more. In order to stop him and protect the Earth Woman he loves, Thor enlists the help of his untrustworthy brother Loki, and together they attempt to stop Malekith and save the Nine Realms. Thor, The Dark World, was directed by Alan Taylor, who's best known for his TV work. Most notably for us, a number of episodes of Game of Thrones, including Baylor and Blackwater, amongst others, and The Sopranos. This is, in fact, his first cinematic effort. And he quits himself fairly well, particularly in the action sequences, of which there are many. Some of them do get a little bit sloppy and disjointed, uh, particularly the chase on the Asgardian skiff seems to not really flow correctly and has a couple of odd jumps, but on the whole they work pretty well. Like all Marvel movies, the weight of this story falls on the hero, and Chris Hemsworth is definitely more comfortable with the weight of this movie on his, on Thor's impressive, very well-built sleeveless shoulders. Marvel has obviously listened to what the people want, and there's a good deal of Loki awesomeness. You can tell that these two guys love their jobs, love these characters, and the interactions between these two brothers are without doubt the best part of this movie. Some of the other performances aren't as consistent though. Anthony Hopkins' Odin seems to lack the authority and gravitas that I think he was given under Kenneth Branagh's Shakespearean direction. Also kind of tepid was Natalie Portman. She, obviously she's an Oscar winning actress, but she didn't seem to know whether she wanted to be serious science girl or goofy girlfriend and kind of fell in this gray area in between where she didn't end up being either. Kat Dennings, as amazingly endowed as she is, added nothing to the film. And Chris O'Dowd was criminally underused. It was good, though, to see Rene Russo kick some ass. Christopher Eggleston's Malekith was a fairly thin-by-the-numbers villain. And Idris Elba's Heimdall yet again reminded me that I really need to watch Luther, because that guy's fucking awesome. Without the performances, chemistry, and charisma of Hiddleston and Hemsworth, this movie would have been dragged down under the weight of well-worn tropes and a lightweight bad guy. It's an enjoyable film, but nowhere near the level of, say, an Iron Man 3. Three stars. David. Thank you, Margaret. Look, I want to I, I basically agree with absolutely everything you've said there. I thought Anthony Hopkins probably did labour a little bit under his beard. But I think you're a little bit kind to Natalie Portman. I thought she was utterly, utterly fucking lacklustre in this entire film. I'd go so far as to say she looked bored, but I don't understand why. This is a great part. It's, it requires little to no effort on somebody of her, her acting chops. And yet she seemed to... It, it was almost like every time she was on screen, everybody else had to step up a notch because they were just... She, she was the Winona Ryder of this film. I, I have read. It's probably scuttlebutt. But she didn't want to do this movie, but was contractually, contractually obligated. Mm-hmm. Great word. <laughs> contractually. Contractually. Look, um, if that's the case, I'm, but see, Edward Norton was contractually obliged to do the Italian job and still handed in a credible performance. Mm. So you can, you know, that's just bullshit. I mean, I'm not saying that's bullshit, yeah. but you know what I mean? It's just bullshit. So you're 100% right. Hemsworth and Hiddleston carry this film on... They, they are just... Hemsworth is a very seriously good actor. Like He's very, very good. And Hiddleston is effortlessly fucking good. And there's a couple of things I've put on the Facebook page recently of him doing impersonations of people. Yeah. He seems like a lot of fun. He seems to have his head screwed on right. I think, I think really that... We're, I think the problem with his popularity is going to be that somebody somewhere is going to suggest a Loki standalone. 
and it's going to fail dismally. Yeah. He is absolutely, unequivocally, the the standout every time. He, he's a scene stealer in yeah. every movie that is. Anyone who can go up against Robert Downey Jr. in this Tony Stark role yeah. and kind of keep your attention on Loki the whole time really says something. The, but he he has said that he's not in Avengers two. Yeah, he's not. Well, he's not the villain of Avengers two. I thought he was very particular oh, about okay. saying he's not the villain of Avengers two. Okay, but nonetheless, he's obviously going obviously going to be in Thor mm. three. Obviously, I think that I think they're just a spectacular spectacular film. The problem that I have, oh, sorry, a spectacular chemistry. The problem that I have with this film was that I couldn't really relate to it like I could with the first film. And by relating, I don't mean that you know in the obvious sense of the word, but the fact that the danger took away, was away from earth mm. almost for what? 80% of the movie we were away from earth. And then all of a sudden to put earth in jeopardy right at the end seemed a bit, mm. it's, it seemed a bit silly. I would have liked to have seen the more battles taking place on earth to once again, to, to sort of tie it into that earth in danger. Also, it seemed a bit bizarre that if, Aliens, and maybe this is just speaking extemporaneously on the, the subject, but if, if aliens attacked New York a couple of years ago and we've got a, everyone now knows about a Hulk and Captain America, they all know about these people, they seem terribly fucking blasé about the whole... I mean, I just think the world, post-Avengers world, <laughs> which I will use later, will be a different place to the one that's presented. Everyone just seems to be happily going yeah. about their lives. I just yeah. think that... I mean, I, I think I get where you're going. Yeah. I mean, look at how America changed after 9-11. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Fucking aliens yeah, came yeah, down, yeah, 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 yeah. and there's not suddenly a ceiling-mounted RPG yeah. on every fucking rooftop so of the world? There would just be something. I just I can't imagine that, that we as a, a species would be so ambivalent to, to this yeah. sort of thing. I think, look, I'm giving it three stars. I think it's a good film. I just think that it probably should have taken, I think, a little bit more care to make us think about the where the actual, the final battle mm. didn't really, it's like, oh, it could have been anywhere. Whereas yeah. I think if they had tied Earth in more, yeah. 100% agree, uh, Rene Russo, whooping ace, was just great to see. Yeah. Just great to see. Yeah. I've, and I've always been a Rene Russo yeah, fan, I, huge fan of hers. A so. couple of nice little cameos. I thought the... Uh... Uh, Chris Pine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. not Chris, Chris Pine. Evans. Sorry, Chris Evans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was really very that clever, was really good scene stealing, almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And how many fucking movies of these do they need to make? People still got up as soon as the credits started to roll. What the fuck? Have you never seen a Marvel movie exactly. before? Probably. I, I actually, I noted this one on the, the the obviously the second one. The first one sets up the new movie. But yeah, ben, your brother Benicio del Toro yeah. in there. Guillermo's son. Yes. Or brother. Which was a bit... Uh, it was a bit, bit odd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, finger in the air about that one. But, uh, well, I'll just go straight into it. Isn't Guardians of the Galaxy animated? I thought it was an animated no. film. No. Uh, well, obviously, I'm confused. I thought... I, I think there's... Lot, I think it's a combination. Because oh, some okay. of... I mean, Rocket Raccoon obviously has to be animated. Right. But I believe it's a fair bit of... I don't know. I could be okay. entirely wrong. The the final the 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 Thor scene of the, the mm. after credits for the final one yeah went along the same lines as the Iron Man three one it was kind of pretty it was just humor yeah there was yeah. no whereas I think in the Phase one movies they all meant something yeah was, they, they hooked you the Phase one things all the Phase one what do you call them stingers yeah 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 they, they make you think the yeah, yeah. They're like oh my god I can't fucking wait to see yeah. Thor that's Thor's hammer oh my god yeah yeah, yeah, yeah these yeah. don't have that. 
Exactly. They're just humour. Yeah. From from Iron Man 3, this one, is just humour. I don't mind it, but don't make us wait to the fucking end of the credits for yeah. it. Yeah. If you're going to just make us laugh, that's fine. But if yeah. you want to but tell us... But switch it around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put the, put the funny one first. If you're going to mm. make us wait, put something that, you know... Exactly. <clears throat> so the second movie we're doing is not a new movie or new release at all, but is one that we, we touched on before when we did the first Godfather movies. We haven't done the third one yet. You know, yeah, we probably will. Probably, yeah, maybe, may, or may, maybe not. May not need to. Is Aliens, and more specifically, Aliens Special Edition. Aliens first came to the screen in 1986. James Cameron, fresh off the success of Terminator, helmed the first in what became a series of diminishing returns of sequels of the spectacular Alien by Ridley Scott. The success of this film and its influence on popular culture is immeasurable. The action-adventure tropes that this film spawned are as numerous as the quotable lines. Released in 1992, Alien Special Edition restored 17 minutes of deleted footage. The reasoning that I discovered that this footage was deleted was that it showed too much nothing and was spent an unnecessary amount of time building suspense in a fairly suspenseful movie in, in on its own. I'm not going to go too much into the story of Aliens. If you haven't seen it by now, you, you, I'd, I'd be surprised. It will, and I'll get to it a little bit later. But I'll just put a little bookmark in here now. The movie does suffer from from what I like to what I have now termed the Godfather syndrome. The big question, however, is 27 years later, or in this instance, 21 years later, does this film hold up? And in this reviewer's opinion, yes, ish. The story, the action is still tight. The suspense is there despite multiple viewings, but I think the movie is starting to show its age. Showing this film to younger audiences will probably not bring in the legions of fans it would have, say, 10 years ago. And here's that phrase again. This is the post-Avengers world, and I think that the MTV generation has been left behind. This movie will remain a favourite of those who saw it long before the Alien Resurrection debacle, and the AVP franchise killers, but I think newer audiences will not warm to this classic as they once might. And this is what I want to talk about, that Godfather syndrome. Mm. We mentioned it when we talked about the Godfather, is that it's so now parodied, so many quotes from that line, that when you actually see it again, you almost can't help but start laughing. Mm. Because you forget that this was the first time that this ever happened. Same thing with Aliens. Get away from her, you bitch, which... Which for the people who have seen it, let's so let's let's use those wanky terms: MTV generation, post Avengers. Real people. Yeah. So the MTV generation that still elicits us from us cheers and whoops and mm. and yells because we love it. We can't wait for it. People don't yell out that line at the cinema just before it happens, like you would do, say, in a, a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Completely different genre. But when it does happen, everyone cheers. Now. The post-Avengers people have heard it so many times in so many different ways that it will lose that impact. The music, James Horner's uh, epic, climactic, suspense-building music has been used in so many trailers from now on. It was used, I think, only last year in a in a um, in a coffee ad or something along those or no, a Mercedes-Benz ad. It was just, it's been so overused. We as a as a as a generation, an MTV generation, remember that as soon as we hear that music, we we know it. As soon as we hear that familiar bip 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 of the motion detectors, we're suddenly there again. We're into it. But the post Avengers, 
show kids the, these days, this movie that had us lying, uh, sitting underneath the couch. My wife said to me, I, could have, I can review a Valian special edition for you. So she saw the underside of a coffee table because she was shit scared the entire way through. This is this is what happens with with a movie that has been it has is now starting to show its age a little bit. We have stellar performances, but then we realize now that the these stellar performances basically are Lance Henriksen, Michael Bean, and Sigourney Weaver. And if we look at those three people, with the probably the exception of Sigourney Weaver, Michael Bean and Lance Henriksen are one note guys. And if they're bringing in the exceptional performances, then we've got a problem. Bill Paxton, always dependable. He is the comic foil throughout the whole movie. His moment of redemption at the at the, the the bitter end, you know, is 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 well received. But I just don't think if you showed this film now to anybody under the age of say twenty six, they won't they won't have the same warm feelings. Mm. This film will always have five stars in my book. I will always love it, but I just don't think it holds up. Mm. David. I agree with with most things that you that you've said with the the generational mm-hmm. change. It's one of those movies that that people our age have an attachment to. So the the Godfather effect. I was I actually thought these lines still hold up. These don't feel cheesy. These don't feel overused. But that's because again I've got that link yeah. to it where yeah younger people probably wouldn't. And the fact that it is, in times, a bit of a slow burn in very suspenseful, going, you know, doing what, the, telling the story it does in the way that it does, mm-hmm. the instant gratification that younger people now have, yeah, whether they have the patience to sit through a, sit through a movie like that. I, mm. I think you make a valid it's point. It's definitely slow burn. Yeah. It's no secret that I have not been all that enamoured of, of James Cameron's mm-hmm. later works, but I think that does a disservice to his to his early stuff. Terminator 2 is will always be one of my top 10 films. I think it's it's close to perfect. And while I do prefer it to Aliens, it does not in any way take away from this film being a masterclass in science fiction mm. action storytelling, which at the time is exactly what it was. And it was so different from the film that preceded it. So completely different in tone, in genre, in in everything. It was it could have been a standalone film. It didn't need to be linked. The fact that it did gave you a, a whole lot of backstory and history, which which just adds to the, the richness of the of the tapestry in the world. I think it succeeds, and I think it will. It succeeded because there there is an authenticity to it. The Marines act like you expect Marines to act, mm-hmm. and in fact, I'd go so far as to say that it probably is now life imitating art where back then they wrote Marines like that because that's how Marines acted. I think Marines now act like that because they've seen it in the movies. Okay. So I, I, I have no basis for that. That, oh, is, that is pure speculation. Interesting parallel but to I, draw. So I, but the, the arrogance, the slinging shit on each other, but then the unquestioning camaraderie of it, mm-hmm. I think helps add a, a human element to it and th- there's a reality to the weaponry and the tech they're not shooting laser rifles it's flamethrowers and and shotguns mm-hmm. it's and the weapons are based on real guns so from a, a design point of view from a from a i guess art direction point of view it's there's a real grounding in reality there which i think helps connect us mm-hmm. connect us to everything 
And without wanting to get on my feminist soapbox, which I don't have, you just can't say enough about Sigourney Weaver and her performance in mm-hmm. Ripley. This is, you know, mid-80s, having a competent female lead in an action film is completely unheard of. Without her, there's no T2 Sarah Connor. You look, yeah, at, you look at Sarah Connor in the first, she was a damsel. She was a victim. Yeah. In Terminator 2, she is completely her own person. She is not beholden to anyone. She is dependent only on her own agency yeah. for her survival. And, you know, all the way up to, to Starbuck, all mm-hmm. these strong, real women don't happen if Sigourney Weaver isn't, isn't Ripley. Yeah. And, and all, all through the movies, all through this, the, the series, through the two, you know, through Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection, mm. she has always been very, very clear that she is not a victim. Mm. Ripley is a fully featured, a fully fleshed out character that is who she is. She's not beholden to anything. Yeah. She's not there as a damsel or as a love interest. And at the time, in the mid-'80s, that wasn't something that was... Was exactly, around. Exactly. I mean, I mean, Red Sonia, but <laughs> Barbara. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those sort of characters didn't exist. Barbarella was just was a sex toy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, whilst, yeah. Um, well, I mean, even Dale Arden in in Flash Gordon. I mean, she was still a damsel. That's all. All women ever existed. I mean, you could argue Princess Leia would probably be, would have been in the first first mm. female. Oh, well, she was there to be rescued that, well, that's in the, the first problem. movie, exactly. And then later on, she became. Yeah. Well, it was once it was once it was she was back amongst her people, if you will, mm. that everyone went. Oh, okay, now she's an authority. Mm. She is a princess, but she was a princess. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, there's still a. What do we say? I'll oh, dry your eyes, princess. Like, mm. so. No, I think you're right. I think. You, I mean, she's a Disney princess now. She is a Disney Disney princess. Hmm. Anyway, I've forgotten just how fucking annoying Bill Paxton's character is. <laughs> I mean, he's awesome, and we love Bill Paxton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Came over, man. Came <laughs> over. What the fuck are we gonna do? Uh, and and I think Paul Reiser is actually one of the unsung. Paul Reiser is the the, the worst human being on the planet in yeah. that film. His, but you his, don't um, know that until birth. the end. Hey, his, hey. his birth, and that's what I think is so great about mm. his about his character. Mm. You sympathise. You think he's a good guy, and then you realise that, nah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ripley, you're not seeing the big picture here. Yeah. Oh, you fucking dog. Yeah, but it, and but it comes as so out of the blue. Mm. And then you think, well, fuck, why didn't I see that before? Yeah. How could I not have seen this? Because we were all looking at Bishop. Yeah. That's their problem. And mm. people who have seen Aliens were all looking at Bishop. Yeah. When is Bishop going to turn? When is Bishop going to yeah. turn? No, and he never does. Spoiler. He never yeah. does. You know, yeah. it's always it's always Burke. It's yeah. humans. Humans are the worst. Yeah. So while the effects on this are starting to show their, yeah. their age and culturally and uh, generationally probably won't resonate with younger people as it does with us, this is still a classic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and to to answer the the question that we ask, does this film still hold up? Absolutely. Okay. Five by five. Five by five. <laughs> Thanks, Spunkmeyer. <laughs> that brings us to an end. It does. Oh, we've gone so soon, so quick. I know. I, I feel like we should talk for like a week to give the people what they want. Well, but then we don't want to oversaturate. We don't want to. We need to keep hanging. We do. That's what I said to my wife. We don't. We don't. We don't want to saturate them. To, we don't want them to saturate. Yeah, them. I can either satisfy you now, or I can leave you hanging until you know ten, fifteen minutes time when yeah. I'm asleep. 
Sort yourself out. <laughs> Screw it away. That's awful. I'm such a I'm, I'm a I'm a not a lover or a fighter. <laughs> Just a horrible, horrible human being. So that's us for a. But that's it. Yeah. So. We're glad to be back. Mm-hmm. It's like an old shoe. Like an old shoe. Just, just, yeah. just sat back into an old yeah. shoe. And to, to be honest, considering the gap that we've had, mm. I'm actually really pleasantly surprised just how smooth this has gone. Smooth. Because we're fucking pros. Absolutely. I mean, there's only a few things you need to cut out. But yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So, hopefully, we'll be back... Now, now that my life at least is in yeah, yeah. is in some sort of back into some sort of routine, yep, yep. we'll be Ooh, back yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. soon with some with some new reviews, some more yep. classic reviews. But it's good to be back. It's good to be back. What do you? I'm I'm, I'm happy. It's well, you can tell you can tell you're happy. You're beaming. You're positively I, beaming. That's right. He's positive. People are asking beaming. me if I'm pregnant. That's how beaming I am. He is. He's he's glowing. He's got a new new lease on life. A spring in my step. A song in my heart, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> we should lend this. <laughs> Yes, we should. So, so, feel free to get in contact with us. Yeah. Best way is on the Facebook page. Yep. Which is the ACOP podcast Facebook page. Or um, get us on Twitter, yep. ACOP Nate. ACOP Woody. Email us. We love the email. We love the email. Yeah. If you've got wonderful things you want to tell, you want to tell us how great we are, pricks at a couple of pricks.com. And, and obviously, if you want to have some critique of the show, something, or even maybe we've got something wrong, which is unlikely. Um, in which case you're a fucking liar, go fuck yourself at a couple of pricks.com. That is a legitimate email address, people. Don't, uh, don't just think that it's not. Yeah. Type it in. Put it, give us a complaint. See what happens. Yeah. yeah. See what happens. Oh, oh you yes. <laughs> <laughs> But for another week, for episode 26, I'm Nate. I'm Woody. And we're a couple, couple of pricks. pricks. Okay.